This year we're uh, looking at the subject of developing Christians for Christ. The key is for Christ. And off we get ourselves in the way of what God's trying to do, not only in our personal lives or you know, in, in the life of the church or even around this world. Uh, we have to realize that we are here not for self, but we are here for Christ. Matter of fact, John discovered this when he says that he himself, John the Baptist, that is, must decrease so that Christ can increase. When we get ourselves out of the way, uh, we can glorify God. Now, we're dealing with, right now, this, this part of it all, we're dealing with the mind. And a few weeks ago, we had a chance to bring our wonderful group up to explain how we are a trichotomy, we've got the mind in the center, and we've got the spirit on one side, and we've got uh, the flesh on the other side. And here we are, stuck in the middle, having this war inside of our members, inside of our mind, and we're going through processes constantly of choosing. The Spirit of God, since we trusted Christ as our Savior, has entered inside of us. We are now the temple of of the Holy Spirit. And since He is inside of us, I love it that God says He is not just Spirit, but that He is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is always creating inside of the believer holiness, which is God's character. And He is constantly driving us and showing us, working in our minds, the conscience of what is truth, what is best. He uses the word, he uses prayer, and that's where we're heading into today, the, the prayer part. Now on the other side, we have the old man, discovered in Romans chapter number 6, also chapter number 7. You know, we're supposed to take the old man, and he needs to be crucified. And if he's dead, and we reckon him to be dead, which he is in the long term, or else we wouldn't get to heaven. So there is already a death that's happened, but we have to charge our minds. Listen, we're not alive to the old man anymore. The old man is what is, is, is trying to accomplish in us the, through the testings, the temptations, etc., that we would go away from the things that is our, our holiness that God is trying to create. And Boy, there's a word we don't see on, in churches every month, the word holiness. It's, a, it's actually a Bible word. It's a good word. And God's trying to create that inside of us. And that word holiness means to be separated under the very purpose of God. And that's what you and I are, separated people. We are a peculiar people. We are a nation that is called out. We are the elect. We are chosen by God since we first trusted in Jesus Christ as our Savior. So we are His. And so now in this battle that's raging inside of the mind, is we're going through this process of charging or reckoning in our mind what's best. And so the flesh is over here saying, but it doesn't feel good. That's work. That's discipline. I don't like it. Who cares? Does it really matter? All of those negative questions that come into the mind of the Christian. And God's over here saying, of course it matters. It does matter what goes on and the choices that you make. And we need to be disciplined. There's another great word for Christians this day and age, isn't it? The word disciplined. You know, and I'm not talking about the correction discipline. I'm talking about the, the discipline in our mind to, to do what is right. As we talked about, it is as soon as the doctor says, okay, it's time to lose 10, 20 pounds. The day before, that chocolate cake with peanut butter icing, 
You just walked by it 50 times, didn't bother you. But now that you are technically on a diet, now it never looked so good. Now all of a sudden in your mind, it's like, now I can't have it or I'm not supposed to have it. And the flesh is over here saying, so what? You might as well go out with flying colors. You know what you're going to do. You're going to eat the whole thing. You're going to grow, just gonna take it all in. That's what the flesh constantly is saying. That's the drug world. It's like, make me feel good now. I don't care what happens tomorrow. I don't care what happens to other people. As long as I feel good, the drug dealer says, as long as I get money, I don't care if your kids overdose. I don't care because I get what I want and I get to live the way I want. The alcoholic, all these things. And that, that's, the, that's the old man. That's that old flesh. Now remember, that, you know, we you think in our minds, okay, I'm going to quit. I'm going I'm to be really good. And humanly speaking, it sounds really good, like it's going to work, that you're going to choose to subdue the old man and you're going to put him down and you're going to be victorious over whatever problem it is you're trying to overcome. And before long, it's this battle back and forth. You're doing better. You're not doing better. You know, we'll try this medicine over here to try to counter this over here. And we go through all this trying. It's, it's like the devil trying to beat up the devil. It's really what it's like. And it just doesn't work. And that's why failure oft happens. Because happens because of, of we're doing it the wrong way. We're trying to will it apart from the power that comes from the Spirit of God. Apart from what we can do through Christ. Because I can still do some things through Christ because sometimes He's there to help me. Are you with me here, folks? You should boo me right there. That's not what the Bible says. But rather, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Okay? That's what he is there for, to minister to me that I can do for God. And so that's the Romans 7 principle. So here we are choosing in our mind, I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to get up tomorrow morning, I'm going to read my Bible, I'm going to pray the way I should do, and I'm going to be a good witness, I'm going to have a good attitude at work, and I'm going, to, I'm going to even like my mother-in-law. You know, I'm going to like life today. I'm going to be happy. Um, Lori and I were on the toll road yesterday, got in the toll road and went over Mishawaka and got off and pay, Gary paid a 50 cents and, and uh, so I gave the ticket and the 50 cents and I'm, as a nice guy, I'm a nice guy, you know, so I go to the guy and I said, how you doing today? Now he's inside this booth, he's taking money all day long, he's taking 50 cents from me, what do you think his answer is going to be? He goes, I'm living the dream. My wife and I just started laughing. And the guy, he knew, he's probably going to be a comedian somewhere, you know. The guy is right on top of things. And I'm thinking, that's the attitude. You know, we're in a little box. We're going through life. Ching, 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 ching. Interacting here and there with people that really don't care or sometimes they do. It's just life. But we're living the dream. And as Christians... I've got to use that. You need to use that on your answer machine, Dave, you know. How are you doing? Well, I hope you have your dreams come true. <clears throat> so we have issues. We have problems. You know, talking to a dear family at our church, uh, she, she lost her job on Thursday. He goes to work Friday, and he gets, loses his job. They're both laid off now. 
praise the Lord, be able to get unemployment, but, um, you know, it's, it's not the same as work. And you look at the guy and say, praying for you, but I don't live in his house, and I don't know all the burdens and the pressures that are realistically there in his life. Because now, you know, it's like, we're together now. Everything changes in the same house, 24-7, where normally they're working. So now lifestyle changes. Now they're maybe looking for work, or they're trying to, you know, control expenditures. They're trying to do this and this. And it just changes everything. And it's the easiest thing for you and I to do is say, praying for you. Well, what does that mean? I'm praying for you. How do you pray for that? But more importantly is the family that's in the midst of it. Now, of course, we, we pray the Lord's going to provide, you know, meet needs that are there. That, and one of my prayers is, recently has been, Lord, do a miracle in their lives. Just a, something really powerful is going to happen that they're going to be able to see your hand, God, at work in their lives. Because that's what, isn't it what we're looking for? Something, God, do something tangibly that I can see, that I can give a testimony of what the Lord has done and provided. And guess what? The bills are paid. There's food on the table. You know, all the essentials of life are there. And I'm happy. Instead of, oh, man, I don't like life. Life's horrible. And it's a mindset. And so... And so in mind, we stop and we say, I'm going to do the right thing. But as, as Paul said, there's something that, there's, there's an issue at hand. And he says that in Romans 7, there is sin that is within me, that in my flesh dwells no good thing. That there's another law, he says in Romans 7, that when I would do good, evil is present with me. So all of these negatives are thrown at us as Christians. And we want over here to say, God, but I want to serve you. I want to have the right attitude. I want to live for you. But the flesh is over here saying, but it's so hard. Because it's like every day. Constantly. You know? And we have such negativity around us. Uh, Y'all quit watching news yet? I mean, I... It's too negative for me. My mind cannot comprehend that there is nothing good happening in the world. And according to Fox, CNN, and anybody else you want to listen to, local news, there's nothing good happening. It's depressing. Wall Street's down. Record lows. Oh, yeah, gas, crude oils are down, but that doesn't mean gas prices are going to be... I thought that they said that that's why it went up to four bucks before. Wait a minute. They threw me a curve. And you stop and you say, so what can I, what can I actually trust in? Where can my confidence begin to lie? Where can I really turn to in my mind to create something that is stable, that is eternal? Something that, well, they're not going to lie to me. It is what it is. It's truth. Something that's, that's real. And I, I like that word because we as Christians, we need to be real. Because our God is real. And uh, powerful thing. So our text, you know, the first thing he, he talks about, you know, in, in verse number four, and, and, and we're going to be here, you know, a couple weeks on, on this subject, obviously. Uh, you know, first thing he, he starts talking about in the book of Philippians, he, he deals with the mind. And there are reactions that happen 
not in the, the old man, the flesh, but happens inside of the mind and the heart, and it has to do with the word rejoicing. That means we're like happy, jubilant. Notre Dame squeaks by on a football game, and they actually win for the Notre Dame fans. <laughs> wow, this is great, you know? And, you know, once in a while, there's something to rejoice, for instance, about. And, you know, it's these circumstances that all of a sudden we start, you know, inside there's this jubilance. We're happy, you know, everything's going in a good direction. And so we're happy. And then, you know, the next breath, you get a phone call. And all of a sudden, everything's negative again. You know, so-and-so went to the hospital. Aunt Susie just died. You know, we get this bad news. And we went from one emotion to the next within a moment. You know, I'm, I'm going on the floor. You know, Dr. Milky just delivers a little baby. And I have a chance to go up and hold that little baby and smile and see the happy faces, you know, it's so great, you know. And then you leave there, and then, you, you know, you go over and... and uh, you know, see another person that just finds out that they have cancer and they may have six months to live. And all of a sudden, we just went from folks' absolute extremes. And that's the real world. And that's where we are at. That's the reality of the Christian life is the mind is constantly being thrown positives and negatives. And the key that he is trying to teach you and I is no matter what the circumstances we are to constantly be in the attitude of rejoicing, not in circumstances. God never said, rejoice in your circumstances. He says, rejoice in the, in the Lord. I'm not happy when I get a flat tire. I can get in the flesh really, really quick. Okay? And you know when it happens. Rainy, muddy day. You look out, tire, flat. Now I got you change. Put on other clothes. Get this tired change. You know, it's not a happy occasion. But I'm not rejoicing in a flat tire. I'm rejoicing in the Lord. And that's where we're heading to, Lord willing, next week is what is our focus? What are we thinking on? rather than allowing the circumstances to deter our minds from thinking on Christ, we allow those things to take the joy of Christ away from us. The joy of the Lord is my strength. That happens right here. By the way, we choose our attitude. I don't care if you say, well, you don't understand. I can't have a good attitude. If I handed you right now a million dollar check, don't tell me you wouldn't be smiling. I don't care who you are, you say I would never be happy with a million dollars. <laughs> there are probably some like that, and I understand. I wouldn't know what to do with it myself. It'd probably be gone in six weeks, giving it to all the missionaries. I don't need it. You know, I don't. You know, what am I going to do with it? I understand. But you know what I'm saying? If, if we were to, to get something that is very positive, we understand how that affects the mind and we choose to react in a positive way. When Christ was going through the scene of the cross, He counted it joy. You say, really? Yeah. This was like, you know why? He had in his mind, not the beating and the sufferings, who the joy that was set before him endured. 
He actually looked at it as, I'm seeing not just the pain, the blood, the agony that I'm going to go through here on the cross. I'm looking at the holiness that is going to happen inside of the hearts and lives of people that choose me as their Savior. Then they have a changed life. So it's perspective, is it not? Is it not? It's like, where are we heading to with this? Where the mind initially re, you know, does not rejoice. It looks at the circumstances now, not in the long term. That's why a lot of Christians have the verse, all things work together for good that, that, to those that love Him, to those who are the called according to His purpose. So we, in our minds as Christians, say, losing job, not happy. But if all of a sudden God opens up a door and now I get a better job as a result of these people dismissing me from my job, guess what? It's a good thing, but I don't see it the day that I'm getting this slip of piece of paper saying you're done here. And sometimes we can't look beyond today. Hope looks beyond today. And that's why in the occasion that you get that, you can stop and say, guess what? The Lord has something big going on now. That's our men's retreat. We're going to look at circumstances. And boy, at that time, it looks really, 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 really bad. But isn't it those really, really bad circumstances that we remember? That we finally are alert and aware of God and what He is doing. And we're anticipating what God's going to do. And without those negatives, and sometimes the great occasions... We just go through life coasting, and we don't remember. We don't remember. The rejoicing, God tells us, is a powerful thing that happens inside of our minds. The men, the disciples, after being sent out, were able to cast out demons. They're healing people, doing all these powerful things, and it is an absolute pep rally. Jesus quickly reminds them that that's all temporary. He says, what you guys need to remember is rejoice rather that your names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You got to remember, you're saved. This, you're, you're helping people, but guess what? They're still going to die. That's not what is eternal. So again, Christ is taking the mind and the rejoicing, trying to create the reality of long term versus the temporary. This is where the discipline comes into the mind. Do you realize many sad habits and bad habits come as a result of negative news? People begin to binge. They get the bad news, they binge. They go in shopping sprees, buying things to try to create a happiness by spending money or eating or doing something, taking drugs, getting drunk, whatever it's going to be. They're going to look at something to try to get a happiness inside of the mind because I just got bad news. You know what they have none of? It's discipline. Because after they get the credit card bill the next month and they spend all this money that they couldn't afford and now they got to pay for it, guess where they're going to? Deeper sorrow of mind. And then what do they do to try to create happiness again? Oh, I'll, I'll get through it. And I'll, I'll take this credit card over here and pay off this credit card over here. And that's America Dream. And now we're paying for it. Okay? That, that's, that's not from God. That's not how God creates a joy, folks, in our minds. The joy comes because we get to stop and say, God, 
I need you to provide something for me. I need what the scriptures, and we know as a word, I need peace. I need a peace in my mind. I need to not be worrying and being burdened and concerned. I need a peace that can only come from you. And that's what he goes on and describes. The word peace, by the way, you'll remember, comes from the fruit of the Spirit. We talked about that some time ago. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Joy, peace, by the way, are tied together many times in the Scriptures. And that joy and peace is not in the body. The joy peace is an internal thing that God has for you. Because the mind is focusing on what it's supposed to be focusing on. That's again next week. So this peace that comes from God doesn't come from the flesh. Now the flesh can have a temporary peace. It can have a temporary joy. But if it's constantly, and here again, this is where we're at in the Christian world right now is that the joy and the peace comes as a result of the circumstances in life. Hence, uh, many of our charismatic friends are on these roller coaster rides of highs and lows and highs and lows, and there's no consistency. And so they binge, and then they go here, and then they go here, and they're looking for something to create or stimulate this joy and happiness, and they're not going to get it ever in the flesh. So what has to happen is it must come from the Lord to come inside of our mind that there is an absolute tranquility. And that's basically the word for peace. It's like, you know, when you watch uh, the animal plant or one of these shows and they need to, to tranquilize the, the bear that's up in you know, the tree or on the telephone pole and they're trying to get that thing to, to just calm down or, or a line or whatever that they can't just walk up to. They've got to tranquilize it. And so they hit it with the dart and before long, the mobility starts to change and all of a sudden it's dropping and it's just like, isn't life wonderful? <laughs> they really don't care. They don't care. It's just like, oh, they're playing with my mouth and my, you know, but it's all good. You know, the doctors do that, you know, in surgery to you. Just like, go ahead and cut my arm off. I really don't care. Isn't it amazing how a medicine can do that to the mind? It's, it's amazing, you know. And there's, a, there's seasons for everything. But what God is trying, try, not trying to intoxicate or in any way or to make us not care, but it's like we have to come to a mindset that there is such a tranquility and a peace that the circumstances that are happening in the flesh are not going to cause and deter my mind from thinking about Christ. Those things that are negative that could be happening to me by the enemy, by Satan, by the flesh, the testings that come from God, which aren't fun either, all these things that are happening, we stop and we say, but my God knows best. My God is going to take care of these things. And that's where the trust factor comes in. I was listening to Kim's prayer right before this message. And I did this similar thing. He knew the text. And, and he went through in his prayer for many of us in this room things that, well, people have no peace about. And I kind of made my own list. As I mentioned earlier, the matter of work right now in Elkhart, the matter of finances, how are we going to pay the bills? We have relationships 
that are hurt and we have no peace of mind about it. We think somebody's against us or we think that or maybe in our mind we are against somebody in relationships and therefore we can't sleep. There's no peace. Our health. All of a sudden we get the news that something's bad, something's going on. You don't feel well. It affects and all of a sudden we're constantly worried and the anxieties are there. Here's something, decision making. Man, I tell you what, you want to talk about sleepless night, especially for guys. Lay out a major decision that is going to change the course of your career, financial situation, like buying a car. That's an out-of-body experience for me. I can't do it. My wife's like, make a decision and buy a car. I don't have peace about it. Pray about it. I did pray about it. I don't know what I'm going to do, you know. A job. Poor Joe, man, struggling. What am I going to do? That's a big decision, you know. You've got to move and relocate and everything. This is hard. This is really hard. Because it affects not just ourselves, but others around. Decisions. Man, I don't have any peace. Children. You know? Grandkids. You know? In his prayer, you know, he's talking about where our, our you know, kids, many of your children, you know, you want them to, we always want the best for our children, spiritually, you know, physically, everything. We always want the best. And when it's not there, bad choices are being made. You don't have any peace. You're just praying for them. We have fears. You have fears. You know, that, that fear that comes from the, from the flesh takes the mind then and actually freezes it and we become dysfunctional as a result of phobias that come in our minds. That's why God says in 1 John, there's no fear in love. Because perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment. It tortures the mind, not the body. Those fears are dealing with the mind and we begin to freeze. And he that fears is not made perfect in love. And what God's trying to say in that text of 1 John chapter 4 is this. God loves you. You say, of course he loves me. Now think about this. And in the text, he deals with the propitiation of Christ. He takes care of our eternal souls. We believe in him. We have eternal life. The blood was shed for us. In that we don't love him because, uh, we, love, we love him, excuse me, because he first loved us. It was stimulated by God. And that love that God has is eternal. It is his very character, just like he is the God of peace. We'll talk about that in a moment. You know, he is love. God is love. And then when we love, there's a maturity that happens inside of us. And we start to understand, it's not my love he's talking about. There's no fear in love. He's not talking about your love. There's no fear when we understand the love of God to us. And we start getting a grasp of our God and how big he is and how much he loves each and every one of us so much that he has the very hairs on our head numbered. That's care. I love my wife, but I have not taken the time to count the hairs on my wife's head. Her job will be easier, I know, I know. <laughs> I knew you were thinking it, I had to say it. You know, we love, but it can't even be measured in God's love. And when we have that understanding of God's love, all of a sudden, we realize, if God loves me that much, He's not going to let something happen to me that He is not permitting. And all of a sudden, I'm guarded by God. I'm right in His care. But you say, preacher, I got bills next week. I understand that. 
Pray. Trust. And sometimes there is need for help. That's why we have a deacon's fund. We're not embarrassed to say that. The early offerings for the church were for the needs of the people, not for a steeple. Take care of, you know, I'm going to encourage the deacons tomorrow night. You know, you got to study Proverbs out. You know, how many times it deals with the poor, the needy, the orphans, you know, the fatherless, the, you know, the widows, etc. To meet needs, God says when you provide, guess what? It's going to be reciprocated right back. But if we stop our ears to the cry of the poor, there's going to be a day you cry to God and He's going to say, "Uh uh-uh. You didn't hear them. Why am I going to hear you now? So I wrote a few things down to try to help us. In, in 1 Peter chapter number 5, many of you know it's a life verse for you. You know, he, he deals with the, the adversary, the lion who wants to devour us. And in that same text, he says this, Casting all of our cares upon him. You know why? He cares for you. You say, if he cared for me, why did I lose my job? If he cared for me, why was this accident? If he cares for me, why did this happen? He cares for you. Don't blame sinful nature on God. Okay? You know, he, he makes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. There's times bad things happen to good people. But it's supposed to make us trust the Lord even more. Gets the mind in faith, builds faith, builds character. Just like exercise to the muscles, we need to exercise the muscles of faith. And so, God cares for you. Now, what you are supposed to do in that text, and I'm out of time already, what our, what we're, we're, our job to do is this. We're to take that which is creating anxiety in us, and we take that off of our shoulders, and we cast it onto Him. You know why? You can't do anything about it. You can't fix it. That's why we're all worried, especially guys. We fix everything, right? Give it to me, honey. I'll fix it. Is it done yet? Now I'm working on it. (laughs) I can fix it. Give me enough hammers, duct tape, I will fix it, you know? And that's the way we are. Guess what? Life's real journey creates things that we can't fix and we, we have this burden on us, and when we take it off of our own shoulders and cast it on Him, what, what God says is, thank you, because I'm a little stronger than you are. So let me take the weight of that burden that's on your shoulders, and let me carry it for you, and then your burden is lightened. Now all of a sudden, you can go through life, and you're not dragging this around. That's what God is trying to do, is create this inside of the mind to choose that which is right, knowing about God, knowing about what He wants for us, and so therefore we cast our cares upon Him. That's one of four. Guess what? We're out of time. So Lord willing, we're going to get into more next week, okay? To be continued. So Dr. Henry and family, we encourage you to come back if you want part two. But I know you have obligations in your own church. This is where it's focused, isn't it? The center. And life is full of choices. Some of you are here in this room and you look back at the last year and boy, if you could have done it all over again, think about the choices that you would have made differently. We don't want to think about that. We don't want to think about that. 
And so many in this room stopped and in their mind they began to hear about Christ and, and some made a choice. They made the right choice. And that's to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. As Dr. Lou had mentioned, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name given to men here under heaven that we can be saved by. And that's what God wants to do. He's in a saving business. Now he, he, he has the power. He can just say, presto changer, you're, you're saved. But God doesn't get glory that way. So he wants you to do is he wants you to choose him. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. That means you're delivered from your sin. You're forgiven of your sin. And that means God gives you eternal life. You say, can I tangibly see it? Now it's all by faith, my friend. But it's real. And he's inside of you. And then he's going to empower you to be able to do some of the things that we're talking about. Do you want to, are you, think about it. Are you happy the way you are? Or are you going through life day in, day out, thinking, man, I wish I could change. I wish I could do, I wish this would alter. I wish I'd become a better Christian. Consistency, that's what we're dealing with in this text. And it all starts with salvation. So if you don't have the foundation of Jesus Christ, uh, a lot of this is going to be real foreign to you. So get Christ. Believe in Him. And he will, he, will, he will save you. And He died on the cross for your sin and my sin. He rose again three days later. And that's what the gospel is. The good news is about how He wants to take you and save you. Father, bless the time in Your Word. Thank You for it.